welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Uh, Mr. Matt, place is yours. Thank you, Moses. I didn't want to introduce myself earlier because then I would just have done it twice. Um, my name is Matt. I am a sexaholic from upstate New York, and my sobriety date is June 27, 1999. Um, last time I told my story on this uh, phone call, I actually did it. I don't know how long, maybe 20, 25 minutes or something, which uh, is almost as miraculous as my own recovery. I had the uh, gift of gab, and uh, I hope I'm able to be punctual in trying to communicate uh, what happened uh, what my life was like and what it's like now. Um, I'd say before I, I um, intellectually knew what lust was, I uh, somehow stumbled, stumbled into masturbation previous to that. Uh, it wasn't too far down the line that I knew um, that what I was into was something very powerful and something that I should um, hide from other people. And I, I don't know about anybody else's experience, but I very much feel my own, in my own life story that something in my guts knew from the very beginning that I was doing something uh, that was um, wrong for me. Uh, my own guts told me so. Uh, that really that brings me to a couple of character defects that I think are extremely important for me to bring up about myself as a sexaholic, also as uh, an alcoholic and a lot of other addictions. Um, but one of the earliest character defects that I can remember is is lying. Uh, I don't know how old I was, but at some point I, I remember distinctly stealing something from a store and uh, at the time um, somehow I just easily put it right in my pocket and as I was going to walk out of the store the thought came to me about what I had just done or what I was just getting ready to do and uh, right away um, my response to the truth when it came was to lie back to it. Uh, it was okay. Uh, it was a piece of candy. It wasn't in a bin. It was sitting out by itself. Therefore, it was all right for me to take. I had heard um, previous to that this idea that uh, the trouble with lying is that lying lying begets lying begets lying. A little background noise there. Uh, I never understood that. 
uh, until later when I look back at this early experience because the very first thing I started to do was lie to myself about it. And then later when I was asked um, where did I acquire this piece of candy, my first response was to lie uh, in a way that I almost found surprising, uh, shocked how fast a kind of very creative story just came out of my mouth. Um, Again, I, I want to stress this thing because I feel very much in, in the beginning I used lying to try to get the things that I wanted, but later on um, when I was in trouble and the truth of the situation came to me, I, I used lying to let myself off the hook in a certain way. Um, there is no real uh, legitimate way of letting yourself off the hook by lying. That only increases the trouble. Um, I want to say that, that another character defect that I had going uh, very big and strong was, was self-will. And mostly I'd say that manifested something more like uh, not the typical religious term self-will, but something more of a, in, in layman's language, what would be called spoiled brat. And when I was a little kid... Um, I can distinctly remember a period of of one particular incident where I had the opportunity to get something I wanted, which meant very much to me. And uh, I just about had my parents played, had them in my hand, and just about had the thing I wanted and pushed my luck, overplayed my hand, and lost my opportunity. And I remember again, very distinctly thinking to myself, um, from now on in life, I choose to do everything I can to play my hand as well as possible to get the things that I want um, or to get out of the things that I don't want to do. I think both of these these character defects uh, set me up in in a certain way um, for addiction. Um, I'm not saying that I'm not to blame. I'm certainly, um, I brought this addiction on myself. I'm responsible for it, without a doubt. Um, But both of those things handicapped me because there were many things in life that I could escape from by lying to get out of them and by self-will to try to get uh, my own way. And in a certain sense where facing things in life would cause a certain kind of I don't want to say heroic courage, but but at least a minimal amount of courage to face things, uh, tests, difficult exams. Um, you know, if somebody asked me if I told a lie, uh, whatever it may be, just a modicum of courage to be able to face reality and and the truth of the situation. I I ducked. Uh, I think this ties in with my sex addiction because. Um, most of my time, uh, as I started to get a little older, I'm talking seven, eight, nine, ten years old, I used this in kind of a, uh, a way of, of ducking life through fantasy. And it got into uh, masturbation at a certain point. I intellectually knew I was into something that was wrong. I knew uh, eventually I heard names given for it, why you should avoid it, so forth. Um, the result was, and I'm going to, to the, another 
big thing that was in my life, which was fear. Uh, I can't tell you how much fear I had going at an early age. Um, And again, I feel that it was complicated by the fact that every time I had a chance to grow up and to mature a little bit, I dodged. Uh, Masturbation became a a serious problem for me. Um, Again, at a young age, uh, when I was uh, somewhere around 9 or 10 years old, um, I ended up actually including someone else in, in this kind of activity. And the result was um, devastating for me. Um, I could not... I just read something a couple days ago in my morning prayer time. And it said something about... Uh, something to the effect that our our own faults, our own sins, our own wrongs testify against us. Um, That is exactly how I felt at that point, that no matter what I did, where I went, no matter what kind of respite I could have by forgetting about it, that all the time this very thing that I had done and had been doing was sitting there and that I couldn't get rid of it. And uh, it wasn't until years later, until I got in this program through the fourth and fifth step, that I got freedom. Um, At that point in my life, and I'm going to say about uh, 12 or 13 years old, I found a false remedy for it, and that was to start to take drugs and to drink. And I honestly believe that a big reason behind my drinking and, and drugging was to provide me with relief from what I had been doing in the sex department. I consider drinking and drugging to be a killing addiction for me, but I consider lust and sex addiction to be a primary addiction. It really did precede uh, the drinking and drugging. Um, Once I got to be, God, I don't know how old, 15 or so, uh, then I really hit the scene in a certain way with girlfriends and constant um, fornication. Uh, I missed school. Um, I was in real trouble. Um, At at a certain point, uh, I even had deeply considered suicide. I I was afraid most of the time, uh, with the rare exception of when I was in oblivion produced by chemicals. Um, I didn't know how to deal with with all of this... uh, inner psychic pain and suffering. Um, I had been uh, become enough of a problem and concern that I was sent away. I spent several years away from home. Uh, eventually, um, I'm going to just move forward and say I uh, eventually was forced into young adulthood. I didn't go into it uh, consciously deciding to accept the responsibility that went with it, but my age grew. As, as the days passed, and at a certain point, um, I was—I uh, had to face life and, and get a job. And I was—I did not. I spent a couple semesters in college, but I was not the type that was really into school. Um, at a certain point, uh, my um, drinking got really out of hand. Um, I had been living with somebody. 
Uh, we were due to get married. Uh, most of I, all of the relationships that I had ever gotten into, to be quite honest, were the other individual primarily acted as an object for masturbation. Um, they were just to, to heighten my own fantasy. They were not someone I, I had considered um, a real union with. Um, I was too selfish for that. Uh, it was just a relationship of one, and that was with myself. And this thing blew this so-called, uh, and I'm very fortunate for, for, for her sake, for my own, the thing blew. And uh, at that point, the sex addiction thing got so far out of hand. Uh, I wanted to say what, what it was like. Um, I had heard a, 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 a saying at one, at one time by one of my favorite authors, and he said that lust starts out with, with attraction for what is beautiful, and it ends in attraction for what is ugly. And there were some things that I got into it in, the, in the end at that point that if I had ever stumbled onto that in the beginning, I would have been sickened by it. Um, but the way that this thing works is uh, lust is ever in, uh, almost the real estate of my own inner life just kept more and more being taken over by it. And at this point, I was into things that I never thought I would get into. I was attracted to things that um, I was horrified by in my right mind. And I did not feel um, as though I was my own man. I, I felt like I was enslaved and that I could no longer make decisions or do things um, where in the beginning I, I used to use fantasy to try to increase kind of that uh, thing of, of pleasure acting out in lust. Now I had been afraid of what was coming into my mind because I didn't know if I would carry it out or not. And there's many of the things that came into my mind were illegal and, uh, and very shameful. And if I had gotten found out, I'd be without a job and in some serious trouble. I also was afraid for my life. I couldn't go anywhere without constantly taking looks. And uh, you don't have to share my view on this, but I think lust somehow is interconnected with some supernatural stuff because everywhere I went, I always knew where a temptation was. If it was behind me, if it was to the left, it was to the right. I always knew, and I somehow felt like there was black guidance in this thing. And uh, I was not a free man. Um, my drinking thing got out of control enough. I went to AA. Uh, pretty quickly on, I saw that I was not going to get, checking my time, I was not going to get sober until I dealt with, with this situation with lust. Uh, the basic and old saying that, that cleanliness is next to godliness, I knew to be true, and that there was no way I could have a relationship with God if I was constantly... Uh, I want to say circumventing the relationship where I would go to him for joy and peace and comfort, but circumventing that by inventing my own, my own comfort and my own release uh, through masturbation. Um, in a way, it was, my, it was like my own sacrament and I was my own God. And I knew there was no way I could really have true dependence on him 
if I kept this habit going. And also, somehow in my guts, I knew that it was offensive to God and that uh, I now needed him more than any, any time else. Um, this is what sent me to this program for help. Uh, that was over, I guess that was over 17 and a half years ago. Uh, I want to try to just quickly sum it up by talking about the program itself. Um, it is an absolute lifeline. Uh, in the very beginning, um, the first, second, and third step meant a lot to me. I didn't formally have it in my mind, but I knew uh, that I was nuts, um, that I wasn't free. Uh, I find it very interesting. This, this program talks about sanity in the very beginning, not about sobriety. And uh, that's important for me to remember to this day. Um, the thing of the third step, this thing of surrender, and I, I, I believe in my guts you can't. The, the environment for a surrender happens when there is a, an honest and earnest commitment one day at a time that you won't act out God and the program helping you. And I had my first major temptation in the wake of making that commitment with a sponsor and some friends in the program. And I can't tell you how strong that temptation is. Another saying I, from my favorite author is, you never know how strong temptation is until you try to resist it. And I found yeah. out, <laughs> I found out uh, after the fact uh, how powerful it was. And the other thing it, it taught me was that there is something more powerful than temptation. There is something more powerful than lust. And that was God, and that was him found through the, through the principle of surrender and through prayer. And Oh, my God, that's beautiful. I can just keep Jeff, so, just so you know, we can hear you. Uh, th what that did for me was a very important thing, and that brings me up to this day, which was I knew at that time God had given me a gift that I could, uh, I could abandon and, and throw away, and that the way to hang on to that gift was to practice the rest of the steps. Um, I've been trying to live by them since that point, not very perfectly, but I've been trying to practice uh, regular fourth and fifth step work, work with uh, my own character defects and admitting them, trying not to defend them, ask God to remove them. Uh, I feel like the amend steps are very important because if ever there was a time where I really signed up and said, this program is my own, it came through that. Uh, before I had through, again, through lying, I always hid. I always was behind things. I never put myself out in the open. And the ninth and ninth step really made myself get out in the open and say, this program is mine with God's help. Uh, the tenth step has also been very big for me, and I have to use it frequently, and I, I often need to use it more than I do. Uh, fortunately, there's a safety net with it, which is I can always return to it and admit when I didn't admit something before. Um, the 11th step now is something also that is just, um, I can't tell you how much power there is um, in the 11th step and what it means for me. Um, I try to have a period every morning of um, prayer. I have a plan that I try to use in advance for certain help that I need. 
I try to have a, a prayer time plan for the day because I, I have found that uh, three seconds after I say my prayers in the morning, do my 11-step time, God could be sitting on the end of my nose and I would have forgotten about him. And uh, I feel as though there's a thread that goes throughout my, my day when I have a certain amount of prayer that I try to say on my job. Um, I also try to close my night in prayer. And I've been trying to work with study as a way to have conscious contact with God. And I find that very helpful. The last part I guess I want to say is the 12th step. And, and uh, there's three parts to it. Uh, the one part is, is the thing of spiritual awakening. And, and that, I feel, is the greatest gift that is given to us uh, in the program. Uh, I don't really think, uh, and this is my opinion, that we're put here on this earth to get good at uh, a job, make money, play golf, and die. I think there's something much more important going on here. I've heard it many times in meetings over and over again. People said, I know my life has been spared in this program because God has some purpose for me. I don't know what the hell it is, but I know there's something, and I wonder if that's what it is. Um, the other part is, is to practice these principles in all my affairs, and that really is my hope to keep growing. Uh, and also, lastly, that I may have some kind of an impression, not my own impression, but the one that God is making for me through the help of this program on other people. And uh, essay talks a lot about joy. It's joy response. Uh, very few things in life produce joy, and joy comes from God alone, no other place, and that's why you find it in the 11th step, but you also find it in all places in helping other people, and uh, it's a real joy just to be here to speak and to share my story with everybody, and uh, I hope it was of help, and with that, I'll pass back to Moses. Thank you. Thanks so much. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.